Hey, and welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of assimilation and brown pride. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And this is Episodio 22. We're in January 2021. We have uh, made it through into another year, and we would be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge some of the things that have happened thus far. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and I think that's being nice, uh, or uh, that's being very mild about what has happened so far, yes. but... Um, we won't get into them because everybody has dissected all of the things that happened at the insurrection. We had originally planned something else for this particular episodio, but that's where we're at in life right yeah, now. Yeah, 2021 came in hot. Like, hold my fucking beer. I am not playing Not like around. hot, like, like hot mess. Yeah, like hot mess. Hot mess. Oh, Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. But we are going to pick things up with uh, with some great stuff that we're having going on tonight. And we're going to do things a little bit different yeah, for this episode. I'm so excited. We have a new thing, Kat. We have a brand new thing, and we're getting our cherry broken in by someone else. Yes, we're doing our first interview on the Pocha Podcast. I'm excited. Yes. So who do we have on tonight? We have the absolute pleasure of uh, talking with our friend Steph. Um, Our friend Steph that we've known for many, many years. We originally, both of us, I think, met her through Through Roller Roller Derby. Derby. Um, And she's Mm -hmm. just an amazing human with an awesome background. And every time I ask her uh, anything about her heritage or her growing up or just her perspective, I'm blown away by just the depth of beauty that comes with your stories. So I'm so, so excited to interview um, Steph. So how are you, Steph? Oh, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Getting started pretty shakily (laughs) here, but yeah, you know, holding it down. Yeah. So thank you for joining us tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Like I said, we're doing things a little bit different for this particular episodio, so we will still have our que de nuevo at the end. But Steph is going to join us for the first part. Yes. And we're definitely appreciative of that. Yeah. So what, um, Steph, I think you've awesome. listened to the podcast before. And for you know, we actually have mm-hmm. a few new listeners this year. Woo-hoo. Very exciting. Um, so we're just going to talk a little bit about what a pocha is and why we even have this podcast. Um, from our perspective, we know that pocha is not always a word that is used kindly. It's usually used in a derogatory way to refer to someone who is just way too fucking assimilated. Like they have left their Latinx, Latino, Latine roots and they are just total whiteness uh, and don't even know the difference. Um, wow. We are in the middle somewhere. <laughs> We're at that intersection. We're at the intersection, for sure. We're like, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we need a Starbucks latte, and sometimes we're breaking it down, making tamales. Like, it's just all all in the mix. Right. Uh, just a spectrum of where we're at in terms of our identity. And trying to reclaim some of, the, some of those pieces. Um, and we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, that um, part of it is, like, loss of culture. Part of it is loss of um, Spanish language or... Portuguese language, um, whichever language you came over, uh, that that you had in your familial roots, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that is often looked down on by other uh, either older generations or or the the country of heritage from your family. They look down on people who haven't kept their culture and their uh, language alive, and it's you know kind of shaky. Like yeah. Charlene, you know Spanish a lot better than I do. And so that that's where the spectrum lies. 
Yeah, and we know there's a reason for it, right? We're all here for a reason. Things happen in our families for whatever whatever was good for them at the time or whatever mm-hmm. they may have been forced into at the time, whatever that is. So we were super curious about um, talking to you about this topic. Uh, so before we start all that, can you just give us a little breakdown of who you are and how um, what identities are important to you? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I guess I'm just going to do like a little ho'olona, which is like your, your typical like Hawaiian introduction, the way you'd introduce yourself. Um, so I'll just say like aloha mai kako, which is like, hey, hi, everybody. Um, o Stephanie Helani ho, ko inoa piha, no I am my o, no ao ma, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, so I basically just said like, like, hey, everybody, hi. Um, my name is Stephanie Helani ho, that's my full name. I'm from Oahu, Hawaii, and I live in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So I am of Hawaiian, Chinese, Japanese, and Portuguese descent. So um, I'm like 30% Chinese, 30% Hawaiian, quarter Japanese, and then like an eighth Portuguese. So my um, nationality, and this is a thing that I have come to learn that we say in Hawaii, we say like what nationality you instead of like what ethnicity and that's just mm. um left over because you know we weren't um, made a state until 1959 mm-hmm. so um so all those things i identify with like i grew up hawaiian my mom is over half hawaiian um i went to a hawaiian school which um was kamehameha and it's a prestigious private school dedicated and geared towards um, the perpetuation of Hawaiian culture wow. through um, education. And you have to be uh, of Hawaiian descent. Like, it doesn't matter your blood quantum. You just have to have some Hawaiian blood. And um, you you have to prove it. So, okay, so then that's that. And then Chinese, my dad is um, half Chinese my grandpa's full and then my mom's a little bit Chinese because my grandma was quarter Hawaiian quarter Chinese quarter Japanese and then little bit um I think quarter Russian or something like that but um so yeah so that's for the Chinese so I did grow up like observing all those holidays we did the Hungry Ghost Mm -hmm. Festival we did um Lunar like we observed the Chinese New Year like Mm -hmm. all those things um Japanese as well we my like I went to Bon Dances, which is like the spring festival. Um, you know, eating like ozoni, which is their traditional New Year's Day soup, like things like that. So, um, yeah, definitely in Hawaii, those are like all the cultures that are like prevalent. And this stems from the um plantation days in the late eighteen hundreds or maybe early eighteen hundreds, when like the Chinese, the Japanese, the Filipino, the Portuguese and the Puerto Rican, the latter part, they were brought over to work, the sugar plantations. Wow. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Wow. So that's why we're so mixed. <laughs> yeah, have you, <laughs> don't send your shit to 23andMe. They'll be like, that's too many things. We're sorry. Please. <laughs> they've raised the, they, yeah. they've gone from 23andMe to like 64andMe. Yes, we that's cannot process at. this, man. Yeah. No, and I actually did that, like, ancestry media. I was like, oh, and media is my wife you guys know but um she was like let's do um ancestry and yeah. i was like i did this in elementary like i already know 
like what I am like this is not in Hawaii we know exactly what we are like I don't need that so I told her I'm this this and that and it came back and it was like boom exactly what I told her 30% Chinese 30% Hawaiian like I told you no need that's awesome that (laughs) you knew that that's great I love it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so do you find yourself having to have that full explanation when you meet people here because in Las Cruces there is like yeah under zero percent I mean yeah. really there's a small Asian community here um and yeah so do you ha- do you go through that litany of explaining to, to folks around here oh yeah definitely definitely um matter of fact I've had like more than one one person tell me like on occasion like how are how are you all those things and you know, coming from like a Hawaii perspective, we're just, it's kind of like, what you, what do you mean? Like, how am I all those things? Because I just am. Like, I grew up with all those things. Mm-hmm. Like, I am. Right. So yeah, that's definitely something that I do deal with, like, regularly. It's incredibly. It feels incredibly holistic in comparison to where, in at least in my experience, you have to parcel out like, claim one more than the other. Hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Wow. So when you heard of our... Yeah, exp- I noticed that. When mm-hmm. you heard our explanation about what bocha is, um, mm-hmm. is there something similar in Hawaii culture? Like individuals uh, who re- may have lost mm-hmm. touch with their, their culture or their lineage? So our... Um, the Laka culture, yeah, it's definitely a little different than like a mainland, like American continent perspective. Um, so Hawaiians lost their like culture and their language with the oncoming of um, like white missionaries and when we were discovered and stuff like that. So. Just to give you like a little history, um, we weren't discovered by Captain Cook until like 1778. Okay. So when he came, he brought like, you know, like a ship full of pestilence, basically like syphilis, gonorrhea, tuberculosis, things like that. So that mm-hmm. kind of helped like um, decimate the Hawaiian population, which at that time it was maybe like 800,000 to a million. Wow. And then, um, yep. Then in the 1820s, like, um, keeping in mind with that manifest destiny euphemism, um, American missionaries, um, you know, they thought it was like, gosh, like they're like, right. They're, you know, like they have to come mm-hmm. spread the word of Christianity, um, save the people. Out, like, save indigenous the people. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, Hawaiian literacy rates were like at a hundred percent, like everybody could read, speak right Hawaiian and it was even used in like our government and um, commerce and things like that by the time our monarchy was overthrown um, in like 1898 I want to say our language Hawaiian language was outlawed so we couldn't speak it in schools you couldn't I mean, um, hula was outlawed the practice of kahuna which is like our religion um that was outlawed and um so hula is important because that's how we tell like our like our stories are like our mo'oku auhau which is like hawaiian genealogy like that's kind of how you pass mm-hmm. it down so 
um, when it was outlawed, it wasn't made legal again to speak it in schools until 1986. What? So it's, uh, yeah. Holy shit. So it only, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So it only took like a hundred years roughly for us to lose like our language. So now what we struggle with as Hawaiians, like, and then in the 70s, there was this big like um, resurgence, like Hawaiian revolution, um, to revive the language to, um, you know, cause it was, I mean, they try and make it illegal to be Hawaiian. And I just like, I remember like my mom, cause my mom's side, her dad, they're fluent in Hawaiian and um, they spoke it in their home. But my mom was like, we were discouraged to speak it because um, when we go to school, if we speak it in the classroom, you know, we were teased, we were ostracized, like Jap- the Japanese kids would make fun of us, like things like that. Um, and then the missionaries, when they took over the teaching of Hawaiian children in the early, the late 1800s, early 1900s, I mean, they'd get beat if they spoke their native language. So, so now it's just definitely been a resurgence from like the late seventies, early eighties on, you know? Uh, So this is one of the things that I find so interesting when I, when I have the opportunity to talk to you, Steph, um, and something that I've been telling Kat about is that's a very similar story to mm-hmm. what we hear even from our parents when they were in school. Our grandparents yeah. were punished for speaking Spanish, which was also a colonizer language. Right, like we had right. native languages mm-hmm. before Spanish. So even they were even punished for speaking their language that they were colonized under, which is just a whole other damn thing. But it's so interesting to me, the similarities um, in the ways colonization has impacted our people and how... Um, mm-hmm. how we all turned out <laughs> right no I was I was I was making that parallel in my my head as well like my mm-hmm. father would tell me about what he would have gone what he went through speaking Spanish so that's definitely like a tie there that binds yeah I mean and, and you know on its side um that it you know that I have school like that um but even like so my grandparent my grandpa my Chinese grandpa in their house like his um because he was um he's third generation chinese so like his great aunts and stuff like that didn't speak english and um they were pretty long lived so i remember like meeting one of his uncles and he didn't speak english either Mm. but um we didn't retain that either either my grandpa understood um chinese which um cantonese and then my grandma she's japanese portuguese she understands japanese but she didn't retain it either but you still in Hawaii you still find a lot of people that do speak their native language whether it's like Chinese Japanese like um even Portuguese you can Filipino someone or whatever but um no we there's definitely just like a a push to speak your language um in Hawaii no matter like what ethnic background you are we are we are um taught to be proud of your culture and you just you go learn whatever you can about your culture and everybody else's, you know, so, so, um, I don't know. So with the, um, in, you mentioned in 86, it was okay to start teaching, uh, native Hawaiian again. So did you grow yeah. up learning native Hawaiian as well as English? I, d- I did because I went to Kamehameha, a Hawaiian mm-hmm. school. So, from kindergarten all the way, like the whole elementary, you were learning Hawaiian. Like that's, um, it's not like an immersion school. 
um, where you're just completely learning, you know, like all in Hawaiian. But I did, yeah, I did learn Hawaiian. And then um, when you get into high school, you can um, opt out of it or whatever. But no, in my family, um, I have like three cousins who are pretty fluent. Hmm. But my younger cousin, she went to um, a Hawaiian immersion school. So they spoke like, you know, just all... Um, and makaole aloha is what we call it. So in you know the Hawaiian language, that's so beautiful. I, and I it makes me think that we are so far away from that even here. I think there's one school that just opened up a little private school or a charter school maybe where they do bilingual education all the way, but it's not even Spanish immersion mm-hmm. where you know you would think that in this area or that we would have um schools where indigenous people could go and only be in that language and learning the written language and all of that but we are so Mm -hmm. far from that it feels like no yeah you're right it does i'm my mind is blown away that there would be a school that that's awesome that allows for that duality in terms of language or even a school that's total immersion right I love it. Wow. Um, so when, so you, how long have you lived in New Mexico? Okay, so I came here when I was like 17. So um, like 21 years, I think, roughly 20 years around mm-hmm. there. And how, how mm-hmm. is it when you go back home? Like, do you find that you've changed being on the mainland? Like, do people tell, like, what are some things that people tell you has changed about you? Um, so for me, I can easily like go back and forth, but, um, like a saying in Hawaii is like, oh, you so haole now, or like, oh, you so mainland now. Like, so haole <laughs> is like, you know, like, <laughs> it's like white, like the term we call like white people, but it also really means like foreign. Mm. So you heard that, but, um, no, when I go back, I, I I haven't changed too much. I can definitely see things a little differently, like from a mainland perspective. And um, when I go home, I I don't know, my family and like my brothers and stuff like that, they they tease me and they tell me like, oh, you still get your pigeon, huh? Like, <laughs> like I can still like go back and forth into the pigeon, which is, um, you know, just like the slang or the dialect of how... Um, like back in the day, like all these plantation workers would communicate with each other since English wasn't there for its language. So like the Hawaiian pigeon. So, and I'm just like, of course, I'm never going to lose that. Hello. But of course I can um, switch right back into regular English. <laughs> I wish, I wish but, our listeners yeah. could see that because you snapped your fingers right, right as you were saying that with, with all the attitude. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, I feel like living in the mainland really broadens your horizons and expands your mind because when you live um, in such a like isolated place like Hawaii is, right, you're not exposed to a lot of um, things. And in fact, like sometimes a lot of people in Hawaii, they'll say things like, oh, why we worry about that for that mainland kind of problems? Um, mm-hmm. Why should we concern ourselves with what happens in the mainland that doesn't? concern us um so things like that you know and and it and it 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 does so like you should worry about that like you're we're all like world citizens right so so i guess that's that's what it is and then people in hawaii okay 
they tend to um okay like we're very ignorant to racism like towards like people of color um and i i kind of learned that the hard way living here granted it's not like you know how other states are and stuff like that because it's pretty much a plurality state um as well but you know there's a lot of like little like um little racist little things that I've experienced that I would have never noticed because mm. in Hawaii I'm not used to that you know and my wife had to explain this to me and I would tell her like what are you talking about that's not even true that's not happening you know they weren't treating me like that or whatever mm. and um like you know our other friend Zita was like was telling my wife like well you have to remember where she's from because you know Zita lived in Hawaii for a short period of time and um, it took me a long time to kind of open up my eyes and realize that. And so that mentality is still kind of prevalent because we don't um, we don't have those like things really like in Hawaii. Like it's a different kind. It's a different kind of racism. It's more like reverse racism. And so when I talk to my dad then, and I have to explain um, like why certain people, why this is racist or why you cannot say these kind of things, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell him, yeah, dad, because when you, when people use the term like beanerd, and that's how he says it, beanerd, or wet fat. <laughs> that is what cat okay. is, a beanerd, for sure. <laughs> Bean yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, I go, that's derogatory, dad, um, because he had um, a customer come in one day and tell, and tell him, oh, my, um, oh, I'm from El Paso. My dad's like, oh, yeah, my daughter, she lives in New Mexico. Oh, I like that that city you know oh but oh Paso's on real being a town ah just just <laughs> and the guy looked at him like oh my Whoa. god and my dad wow. was like what what i said right oh, I, yeah and the guy's like that's very derogatory and my dad's like oh i never know that like over here you can call me one buddha head one cheek like i don't care we don't care you know and so she has to call me up and verify this with me and i said yeah dad that's derogatory because when people over here when they say that they're seeing it from like a mean place they're seeing it to hurt you it's not like in Hawaii it's so interesting even when you described how you identify nationally and just said yeah I'm like 30% this 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 these are all the things and there's one doesn't have to be the dominant one nobody's fighting for dominance Mm -hmm. it's just this is who I am because that's where my family came from period and I think to Kat's Mm -hmm. point here it is like how close to whiteness are you yes because that means you are part of the dominant culture so are you a beaner are are you mexican are you indigenous are you black are you because those take you away from that power center that is the dominant culture yes a perfect example of that is on my father's side one of their ancestors is french and they cling to that like it's a lifesaver in the middle of the ocean (laughs) but we're french right the montestruc side and i'm like that's great but that's one aspect of and did you see his wife nothing like anybody from france right but it's true it's how close you are to that whiteness that allows for the passing Mm -hmm. that's so interesting yeah so what do you um what do you think of bochas then because kat and i are uh self-identified bochas we're self-identified and taking it back and taking but, it back yes but you listen to the show and what what do you what do you think of that term that idea of 
Oh, man. So is pocha meant to be like a derogatory thing? It is. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're taking it back. Because it's like, yes, it was derogatory, but quite frankly, that's just who I am. Yeah. This is this is where I am by circumstance. And yes, I'm trying to relearn some things, um, get myself closer in terms of roots to, uh, in particular, my mom's side of the family uh, and those roots. So I feel like I'm trying to reclaim that word. And not only by circumstance, but by... Well, like, circumstances beyond my control. Absolutely. Anyway. I, I mean, one of the the examples that we've talked about, I, my grandmother lived in um, East L.A. for a while, and she worked at a factory where they laundered sheets. And she had a, a mm-hmm. heavier accent, and it sounded like she was saying shit. And so they would all make fun of her and try to make her say the word. Aww. And as an adult, I mean, she was an adult woman working mm-hmm. in this factory. And so things like that pushed her to make damn sure that her kids didn't have an accent that her kids weren't going to go through that so you know it's not by coincidence that we've lost that language it's trying to be closer to whiteness Mm -hmm. so that you would be closer to that power center and power center isn't that like a business in town i don't know why i keep saying (laughs) that you know what i mean um yeah. But yeah, do you see any similarities or can you identify, do you identify at all with, um, with the, the term? Um, not really, but so I guess um, we have like terms for, okay, so Japanese from the mainland in Hawaii, we call them katanks. And that's, I guess, kind of derogatory. And it's, um, Japanese born and raised in the mainland because um which is like not as good as being Asian born and raised in Hawaii because mm-hmm. in Hawaii how we view the continental US is a is a little different you know than how um I guess like Americans view the continent or I mean like we're American but you know you know what I mean like how like other people view that I think it's great that you're taking that back Um, because it doesn't have to be derogatory, you know, like by being in that intersection culturally, you know, because it all happens. It's happened to a lot of a lot of um, us, like, you know, brown people where, you know, whether by colonization or it's like, no, our manifest destiny, euphemism, is the right way, and let's mm-hmm. use Christianity to demonize indigenous culture, indigenous color. You know. The brown people got to find their way, man. Right. <laughs> we weren't given a map, so we have to just yeah. do the journey on our own. So I was just going to say, um, you know, going back to that reverse racism, a lot of people like who are like of white descent invisibly, they will try and say that they're like Portuguese descent, like in Hawaii, because in like a Hawaii um, perspective, being Portuguese is more accepted than being um, mm-hmm. like American white because um, of the whole like takeover and like you that's know overthrow and stuff like that that's it no no man i'm portuguese right well, yeah we're gonna talk a little bit about that later that's our next segment we're talking about the there's pochas and there's posers we're gonna talk about the posers mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. 
So my question was going to be, um, do you find any similarities in your culture from Hawaii and cultures from Hawaii and the culture here in the Southwest? Hmm. Um, so I definitely think, okay, because, um, like from what I've seen, like Latino culture and Southwest culture are very like fiery. So, um, and Hawaiians are like more like calm, you know, like if you think of like natives, how they mm-hmm. like move in the world, that's kind of how Hawaiians are, but the definitely like the welcoming attitude, um, that is definitely the same, like, you know, like, cause in Hawaii, like if you go to someone's house, more than likely you're going to get fed, you're going to, um, but you have to like sit down and talk story and spend time, especially if it's, they're of like Hawaiian descent. Um, you know, you cannot just come in and rush things and, and whatever. So, um, I, so I definitely, um, I see that similarity. My, so my members, right, for my work, when I visit them, the ones down south or the ones that are, like, from Mexico even, they're so welcoming. And they're like, oh, let's to come outside. Here, come eat. And I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. And like, no, 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 come eat. And then, um, like, they'll even be like, here's a plate for your wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll, like, hug me. And, oh, you're always welcome. And so that is definitely um, something that I can identify with. Uh, because a lot of the cultures in Hawaii are definitely like that. I was the la- so when when traveling was a thing. I remember that time. That one time, uh, we were able to go to Hawaii um, last or not last year, the year before last. And I was so trying to get to see Steph's family because they own a little restaurant. <laughs> and I asked her, I was like, okay, where do we go? Give me all the spots. And um, and they were closed because it was a holiday, so I didn't get to see them. But I was so looking forward Aww. to it. But I definitely feel that when. I've been there. I've been fortunate enough to be there twice, and I did feel that very much. Um, and I, I mean, I guess I am. I don't look like super white, so I think people are more welcoming and receiving of me. And it's always. Just, she's like, "Did you already get invited to a party?" I'm like, "Yeah, man. People at the grocery store are like, what are you doing later? Like, come to come to the party, come yeah. to the barbecue." So yeah, I, I think that's, that feels welcoming. The same that same welcoming family and everything about food, kind of. Mm-hmm. When we get to travel mm-hmm. again, can we write it off as a business expense to yes. go over there and do a show? <laughs> so go go show her dad the beaners. Be cool. yes. The beaners are here. Let's do it. Let's do this. For sure. Oh, my dad. Steph, you are a pleasure and a joy to talk to. And you, are, you like, schooled us, gave us the history lesson, all the things. I am so appreciative of your time. Um, and thank you, well, for, thank you for talking to us. Yeah, definitely appreciative. And boy, did I learn a lot. I know. Oh, I like, told you. Now I, f- I feel like she's going to give us a quiz after to make. Did you, but did you learn? Did you? There, what does is. this mean? I like that. Oh, okay, cool. You know that's awesome. I I try to just like give you know concise but informative background. You could hear her turn the pages too. She was Thank like, you. I wrote an essay, <laughs> and I needed you to know all of the things from the essay. Yes, write a book, Steph. We're here for it. Yeah. No shame. I have home. to organize my thoughts. Yeah, you know, I get a little bit AD, ADD a little bit, so I gotta... You're good. You're good. Compose myself, or else I'm gonna be all over the place. <laughs> Wait, that's us. Yes, so, we already do that. It's fine. Um, anything else you need to leave us with before you are done? Um, 
so I guess I, I would leave you with like when you think of Hawaii, you don't think of it as like through like the colonial like kind of settler mindset of being like a paradise um you know that that kind of thing like because for us living there it's just home you know just like how here is home to anybody else so because I get that a lot like oh you're from Hawaii and I'm just like yeah that's like my home but you know here is cool too you know right Aww. a different kind of beautiful yeah. for sure yeah exactly <laughs> Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank oh, we'd love having you. And, and thank you for, A, breaking our cherry. And, mm-hmm. B, we're going to have you back on again, definitely, in non-COVID yeah, times sure. so that we can have some spam sushi because I'm so down for that. Oh, yeah. That must be, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much, Steph. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> So you're listening to the Pocha Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we just heard, uh, or we're just in conversation a little bit with our friend Steph, um, and deeply appreciative of her being on with us. That was so much good information. I know, right? My mind is still swirling about it. I'd love to have her back on again. Yeah, for sure. Yes, she's got a lot to say. Um, and, and I do think the similarities are, I, and you know, maybe that's why she's been able to be here for so many years away from home yeah yeah I can see that that's a really good point I didn't think about that part but because it is like incredibly far incredibly for far. people who don't know their geography so basically <laughs> a lot that, of people Mex- number one New Mexico is a state a yes <laughs> number and, two so is Hawaii <laughs> and, and number three Hawaii is actually closer to Asia than it is to the United States yes so uh, so that's a long ass way away, but thankful that she was able to be on with us for this episode. Absolutely. And now we're going to move on to our que hay de nuevo, which is kind of a, a couple parter yeah. que hay de nuevo, mm-hmm. because there's quite a few things that were happening. People are going, people are just, lo- they're just all out, wiling out, done. And we're not, we're what, two weeks two into, weeks. <laughs> fuck, two yeah. weeks into 2021. Mm-hmm. Ah, so which social piece is first on our yeah, then level? Uh, I want to talk about, so I want to talk about Soho Karen. Oh, God. <laughs> or maybe we should call her Soho Karen, because <laughs> apparently she's Puerto Rican. So do you know who this is? Uh, Maya Poncero. Yes. Yes. She, so for those of you who have not been paying attention, because there is so much shit to pay attention to right now, this might have slipped your radar. I mean, there's a lot happening. So... This is this 22-year-old chick. She's apparently Puerto Rican. Um, she's caught on camera attacking a black 14-year-old boy. And I say boy because this is important because he's a child. Right. He's 14. She attacks him because she thinks he stole her phone. She's in a hotel lobby, screaming, losing her mind, and tackles him. Like, straight up tackles the kid to the ground. And the kid's dad is there, fortunately. And you can hear the dad. She's like, he has my phone, he has my phone, whatever. And the dad's like, so you automatically think the black people in the lobby have your phone? You can hear him saying this. Because he's, he's the one phone? taking the video. And then, you know, he breaks up the fight and whatever. So part of the thing is, I, I mean, I get it. If you think, have you ever thought you've lost your phone? Yes. It's panic. There's a moment of panic because there's a lot of shit on your phone that other people don't need to be in that business right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're expensive and all the things but 
you just decide that a person that you randomly see has it and attack them and so the thing is was she racially profiling this child because he's black she says that's impossible because she herself is of color oh karen got in got in <laughs> let's break this down because there's a there's there's so no in very few incidents are um black and white and i mean that like this fig- one's black and brown <laughs> i mean that figuratively like there's there's so many layers to this piece um there's the camera angle that the father is filming from mm-hmm. where she yeah. is just yelling rants a lot there's the hotel lobby camera where you can see her physically try to tackle this guy mm-hmm. or not try no she physically tackles this guy mm-hmm. to try to get the phone but in that you can also see and here's one part of the complexity where she can't just say i i'm not racially profiling because there are quite a few people in the lobby right so in an interview that she did with gail king and there's that's oh, part like oh. part b of that story mm-hmm. yes um in a morning show interview with Gail King she says that um well because I thought my phone was stolen I was only interested in the people leaving the lobby like if logic follows and someone took my phone they would be leaving the place that they got it from Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to ascertain whom of the people leaving had the phone but there's there are quite a few people in the lobby that she's incredibly picky choosy about who exactly is leaving the lobby that possibly took her phone. So it's racially motivated because if there's 15 people in the lobby and you choose the two black individuals, mm-hmm. one young man to, to, to really lay the blame on, yeah, I don't care how Puerto Rican you are. Yes, that's racial profiling. And you can be uh, a bigot and still be brown. We've talked about uh, racism yes. within the Latinx community, Latinx community, multiple times. So, yes, it's possible. Yes. Very possible. So, let's please talk about the interview with Gail. Please. Can I say one more thing yes, about this whole, th- the, the actual incident before we move to yes. Gail? In COVID times, the fact that she has her <laughs> mask off yelling, <laughs> but she also physically attacks someone is incredibly stupid in and of itself because you don't know if that person is sick. You don't know. There, there's a point in the in the in the video where she pulls her mask off. Mm-hmm. You don't know who else might be in the area. You have pulled your mask off, and you may be unintentional, like sick, but not asymptomatic. That's just Tom fucking foolery yeah. in this time You're of pandemic. You're wearing a mask, but you tackle someone that you <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Which of these things does not belong? Also, it bothered me a little bit in that video. She's in New York. It's January. When was this video taken? Do you know? Uh, it, it was recent. So like winter? Winter. In New York. She's wearing chanclas with no socks. Something is wrong with her. <laughs> She has. She is not stable because it is fucking cold in New York right now. Oh, it's very cold in New York. Very, very Maybe cold. She has in New York. hot feet. Is that like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't her know. hot temper went to her feet. I think so. If it the the few occasions where I have misplaced my phone or my phone is not in my possession and I panic, I know it's my damn fault. I'm not looking for anybody who stole my phone. I'm like, 
fuck me, where did I leave my phone? I would be tackling my six-year-old like three times a day. Like, <laughs> where's my phone? Because <laughs> I know you have it trying to watch YouTube. Exactly. And then there's the part B. So she's in this interview. Oh, she's in the interview with Gail. Go ahead. Start it. <sighs> this gets me. I'm going to breathe for a second. Mm-hmm. So they're doing an interview where Gail King is the host She's talking to uh, Maya, and Maya has her lawyer with her. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this on, like, Skype or what have you. Right. And first, I haven't, I've seen what they aired on the morning show. They do invite you to see the entire interview, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't watch the entire interview. I watched what they, they aired. So what you see is, a, you know, a couple back and forth pieces, question, answer, question, answer. And then Gail pushes the point about um, her temper and who she is choosing, to, like the age difference in who she's choosing. She's yeah. choosing a boy. And I think, I think the, that, that Maya had had enough. Yeah. And she kind of, she's 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Gail King is, you know, Wearing a baseball an adult. cap that says daddy on it, by the way, whatever that means. And she puts her hand up in, in an incredibly dismissive motion, closes her palm forward and says, enough. Mm-hmm. And then she, she pers- persists to answer, her, answer the question the way, or like stop Gail mid-questioning to make her point. Yeah, she tells her, all right, Gail, enough. And, oh, oh my God. My God. Her attorney at that moment turns, turns to her like and a- says, stop it, stop it. I guess like at first I thought that was her mom, but no, that's her. Tr- that's her handler saying her. like, "This isn't helping us." Who now says she's worried about her mental stability? Oh yeah, you know what? No, not mental stability. That's just called she's a brat. And I, you know, if I, hmm, if you could virtually go through the laptop and smack the stupid off of someone, I would really have loved to see Gail smack the stupid right off that lady, right off that young lady, because that's so incredibly disrespectful. Oh, it's and it's and it's only proving the point that's like, even if you're Puerto Rican, you're still treating other people of color like shit. Exactly. Stopping a, a woman of color mid sentence because you don't like what she's saying. Mm-hmm. At one point during the the long interview piece, she says. Um, she tells Gail, how is accusing a guy about taking a phone a crime? I'm like, no, bitch, when you tackled him, that's the part people are worried about. Nobody gives a shit that you're accusing this kid of taking your phone. And then they find the phone in the hotel. It was in in an Uber, and then um, the Uber driver brings it back to the hotel. So this Mensa leaves her own phone. Her own phone. It's probably because her feet were cold. She Whatever. probably wasn't thinking straight, and she left the phone in the Uber, and then she blamed the black kid, and then she tackled him. And then when dad is trying to protect his kid, she gets mad because he's protecting his kid. Like, he put his hands on me. Yeah, fool, if you put your hands on any of my kids, mm-hmm. be expecting a black down. eye. You're going to go sure. down. Yeah, that's what she told Get. Well, I don't know if you saw that. He pulled my hair and threw me out. Well, yeah, you're attacking his child in a public lobby of a hotel. Have you lost your damn mind? The answer is yes. Mm, 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 mm. So that's Soho, Karen. <sighs> All right. Who's, our, who's next on our list? Uh, next on our list. So in a, in a string of 
posers. So there's no there way. are pochas, and then there are posers, posers who want to be of some kind of descent that's not white apparently <laughs> like to Steph's point about I'm Portuguese I swear like I'm anything but just white um, this woman she's an attorney a human rights attorney no less uh, her name is Natasha Bannon she's 43 and for years she's claimed that she's Latina she's senior counsel at the Latino Justice Puerto Rican Legal Defense Education Fund that's a long ass name but this is where she's an attorney she said she's Puerto Rican and Colombian um, and then recently it came out that she's white. And so now she's saying, oh, no, I've always said that I'm white, but my culture is how I was raised, and that was around Puerto Rican and Colombian people. My chosen family and my biological family were were those people, and so that's what I claimed. So now people are like, what the hell? No. So her, her stepfather um, was Latina, right? And in terms of being raised around that right. it's it's as if like our stepkids like mm-hmm. charlene you have a stepson mm-hmm. who's white i have stepkids who are white being raised in that but stepping outside of that i mean i think the big the part that pisses me off on on this piece is that she's taking up space at a table for a job that is trying to bring people of color to the table yes. and taking that space from someone else who could really speak to that experience yes you may have been raised around the culture but you can't speak authentically from a place of experience Mm -mm. just by having non-biological family members help raise you right i mean you might understand it on a deeper level than someone who wasn't raised in that environment but you that's when you get to choose the good parts of when you want to be Latine, when you get the benefit of it and you get to stand there and in all of your righteousness and be a lawyer that's helping these people it's just white saviorism but you got to take the white off for a hot minute and pretend that wasn't all that you were right the rachel dole is all yes exactly exactly um, but then the other thing is like great you want to be a great ally you know how you could do that is when you're in a white space and you hear shit going down, then you speak about your step family yes. and bring that experience into it. Absolutely. And and claim that claim that authenticity about yourself that says, I was raised in this and I know people like this mm-hmm. and they should be at the table. Yep. Yeah, you don't have to be disingenuous and you can still do that work. Yes. It doesn't cut you out of that. Um, wanting to help it just you know there's there's something to having integrity in that moment of of who you are Mm-mm. too much too, too much, much. Yeah. <sighs> I'm gonna toss one last one in there please do because this makes me laugh a little bit <laughs> and I don't even know how, to, how I'll, I'll let you title this one because I don't even know what this is I don't this is Pendejeria? I don't know. I I really do not know. So there's this tourist who's in um, doing the the visit of the Mayan temples in Chichen Itza. Mm -hmm. And having been there, you are not allowed to climb up the stairs to go to the top. They used to allow you, but Mm. they do not anymore. To preserve the monument or whatever? It's actually more, from from the explanation that I understand, it's a more grotesque reason. Okay. But... Mm -hmm. um, you are not allowed to go up there. Okay. 
granted there's not fencing there's not there's a rope okay that keeps you away from it Mm -hmm. but there are signs in multiple languages that tell you you are not allowed to go up there Mm -hmm. nor do you see other people going up there like Mm -hmm. if you see no one going up there i'm not sure why anyone would think that it would be okay to right Mm -hmm. so this tourist white climbs all the way up to the top (laughs) comes all the way back to the bottom And she says that she does it in honor of her passed on husband and takes ashes up there with her. Oh. Now, I don't know if her husband is Latine. I didn't read that much. Mm -hmm. I've only seen the video. I've seen that she was arrested. (laughs) But nonetheless, even if her husband was like legit from the Yucatan Peninsula, you still don't climb up there even if those were his dying wishes then you rent a helicopter and you try to sprinkle as close (laughs) as you can you do not go and climb up a pyramid that is off the fuck limits and try to do do this shit on your own that's really dumb fuckery and yes bitch ass got herself arrested and that's a long ass way to i mean this isn't just like no this isn't this this isn't like two stories this is this isn't this is like a six seven story building i don't know and the stairs aren't like up to code. They didn't have right. a code back in the day. <laughs> so they're handicap rail. <laughs> no, there's, they're, they're slim steps. It's very steep. It, wow. Just the just the gall of this individual to be like, but it's okay for me to do this. Oh my because god. Of her dead husband. Yeah. Which we don't even actually know if that's a thing. No. Yeah. And there are some reports that say that this lady was inebriated when she did this. Well, yeah, how else are you going to do that? Well, uh, you know, whatever. But, like, the dis- the levels of disrespect are just... I just... I, I wanted to throw my chancla at this lady. I think she just lost a round of truth or dare. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Oh, my God, those. Yeah. Yeah, wow. we are two weeks into... <laughs> Not even. Well... Nine days. As of this recording, we are two weeks into the yeah. year and this is this is what we have to show mm-hmm. is just some tomfoolery some mm-hmm. poser <laughs> some racism got in, got in. <laughs> oh wow karen was arrested though so ho karen, karen was arrested, arrested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so she went back home to california and was confronted by police after she left a fast food restaurant and where know, she's things. apparently facing a ton of charges in California too for like assaulting officers and oh, all kinds lovely. of other things, kicking down doors and Lord knows what. I know, I get it. Innocent until proven guilty, but you know what? I saw the video. Damn. Oh <gasps> your lying eyes, cat. Your lying eyes. <laughs> wow. So what a what an entry into this year. Whew. I I don't even have the words. I mean so what I do have though is tears I have the tears because when the insurrection happened at the Capitol I know we mentioned it at the top of the show and I said we weren't going to kind of rehash I will say that that did get me worried on the inside and it it made me cry in that not that our capital is it's a bastion of colonization right like you go in there and that's that's Mm -hmm. what we're seeing is um, a government that persists in 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 putting you know white racism into place and and upholding that system, but also there's something to be said for 
a level, not a level of decorum, but I, I don't even have the word. I can't articulate. Let me try for you. Please. Oh, she put her drink down. Go. Everything went to shit. Nothing you knew do you know anymore. And the world is a fucking circus. <laughs> yes. 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 Mm-hmm. I appreciate the memes that came out of that, oh though. Oh, my God. Same. Especially the ones that were like, so, Maga, how do you like that wall thing? <laughs> How's that going for you? <laughs> do you really think it keeps people out now? or Walls don't work. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. No. Yes, the memes. People are on their A-game with the memes. I love it. I oh. Love it. But it's... Uh, it, it can be emotional, for sure, if you allow yourself to get into that space. So... Um, Listeners, take care of yourselves still. It's a new year, but that don't mean shit changed. We're still in a pandemic. There's still racism in America. We still have uh, a long way to go to get us back to a place of just being able to feel safe and stable. And that's hard. I hate uncertainty. Yes. And and we're still in a pandemic Yep. as of right now. Like... That is the one constant that we've had <laughs> over the past wow. 12 months wow. is our state of pandemic. That's terrible. I know. What does that say about where we're at worldwide? <sighs> it's hard. It's hard. But we're still here to we're be your podcast entertainers. And loving every minute of, of it. Yeah. But we will probably be taking a break. Yes. Um, for the work that I do, I will have to be incredibly busy for... Um, our statewide legislative session so we're probably going to take a break in there and play some best ofs of the bocha podcast and but we'll you know we'll still be reaching out to you on socials and whatnot so <sighs> calmate yes. we're not going anywhere todos. everybody needs a vacay everybody needs a little break and you know you have lots of episodes to listen to if you miss us i know right mm-hmm. we're, we're never too far no, but maybe when we come back, ever, the world will be just a be- way better place. You know, from your mouth to the universe's ears. Amen. So this has been the Bocha Podcast, Episodio 22. I'm Charlene. I'm Kat. And we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks for listening.